Youngbloods acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands where we work and live. We celebrate the diversity of Aboriginal peoples and their ongoing cultures and connections to the lands and waters of New South Wales. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. This podcast was produced by Youngbloods New South Wales in partnership with Massive Music. Now let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Lessons in Hindsight Season 2, a podcast by Youngbloods for Youngbloods. It's the podcast series where we interview some of Adland's leading big dogs as they share their advice with us medium and little-sized dogs. My name's Charlotte Berry and I'll be one of the voices in your ears this season, along with other members of the Youngbloods committee, where we'll be dropping episodes every second Tuesday with an all-star lineup of CCOs, CEOs, CSOs, DOPs, probably not CFOs, but you know, you never know, acronyms go on. And on that point, if you do have any special requests, slide into our DMs at YoungbloodsAU. We love a challenge and we'll do our best to get the people in your ears that you want to hear. But today we'll be kicking off with a recording of our very first live podcast event where I was lucky enough to interview Shaquita King from Coco Gun, Vince Lagana from It's Friday and Scott Noel from The Monkees. What do these three have in common? They all left big agencies to set up their own shop. Who hasn't dreamt of that at 10pm on a Wednesday, am I right? Plus, we deep dive into some of the more curly questions like the transparent and abominable greenwashing and our industry's responsibility to reduce climate change. So just the small things. Anyway, enough from me. Let's get into it. We can't wait to be in your ears this season. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming in all seriousness. Um, We really appreciate all your support with everything from Youngbloods. And very big special thank you to our guests tonight, Scott Noel from The Monkees, Chiquita King from Coco Gun, and Vince Lagana from It's Friday. And then an extra, extra special thank you to our amazing sponsors. Tonight we have I Know Who recruiting. Um, They have amazingly sponsored the night. They have provided some of our amazing alcohol. And then we also have Made in Katana who have provided the space. And I have to say, I feel incredibly professional and also a bit wigged out that maybe Inspired Unemployed have sat on this exact chair that I'm sitting on. So massive round of applause for them as well. And before we kick into it, we will just do a bit of an update on who I know who are. Um, So the lovely ladies over here, they are your go-to if you're trying to get a new job and I'm sure maybe there are some people in the audience who have been looking around recently. They've been recruiting in the creative space for the past 14 years and as most of them are ex-industry, they know what it's like to work in advertising and marketing. Thank God. From large network agencies to independent, they work with a huge cross-section of clients integrated digital branding and design, experiential shopper and PR. They also recruit client-side marketing roles if you're thinking of making the switch to the dark side. (laughs) We have two of their consultants joining us tonight, so Reza and Heidi, so go and have a chat to them afterwards um, and I'm sure they'll be able to answer any of your questions. So, yeah, with that, we might kick off. Yeah, we'll we'll do a bit of a clap, bit of a clap. So we're going to start with um, probably a really intense question. Guys, 
why advertising? Why did you start in the industry? Let's just go in with the big guns. Vinny. Oh, very good question. Thank you for the welcome. Um, I got into advertising purely by accident and I, um, believe it or not, I wanted to be a, a criminologist and <laughs> I just didn't get the marks to do that. I, I, uh, never, I never knew this. No, true, true, for years. Yeah, true, true story. <laughs> and um, I think it, it kind of set the path. I, I think I, what I realised then is that I enjoyed how people think, um, but instead of um, doing criminology, I um, became a graphic designer. <laughs> so the parallels, uh, big difference. Um, and then quickly realised whilst doing graphic design that, um, that it was my creative outlet and I was always creative and um, realised that the conceptual thing is the thing that stuck with me the most. So from graphic design, I quickly moved into advertising. Uh, I didn't have the same... Um, career path as I, I guess many many others. Um, I wasn't necessarily encouraged to do advertising um, when I was in, in college. It wasn't, it was always seemed to be reserved for people who are a little bit um, louder. Um, but I, I think that, that kind of um, <laughs> lit a fire in my belly to prove people wrong and show that, you know, I, I can do it and um, you don't have to be loud to uh, do advertising. So, yeah. Mm. And I also should have said, do you want to do a little intro on yourself? A little elevator pitch, we could say. Yeah, well, I'm uh, Vince Lagana. I'm a creative. I like to call myself a creative. There's so many titles out there, um, but creative is what I like to be called. Um, I've been in the industry now for over 25 years and um, been to many places and worked at some of the great agencies. Uh, um, you know, in Australia, I spent uh, two years in uh, San Francisco working for Goodby Silverstein and Partners. Um, and most recently, in the last eight months, I started my own agency called It's Friday. So that was a big, big moment for, for, for me and my partners. Um, and it was, you know, learning, having learned everything we possibly could from, you know, the previous places we've been. Um, you know, big corporations, but also some smaller agencies as well and being able to take everything we've learned and tailor it into what we think is right for us. So, yeah. Mm. And there might be a little bit of a theme going on with the panel that actually every single person has started their own agency. So, Chiquita, would you like to introduce yourself and why advertising, of course? Um, so I'm Shaquita King. Nobody ever calls me Shaquita, so um, feel free to call me CK. Um, I'm Managing Director of Coco Gun, um, co-founder of the agency. Um, I've been in sort of advertising similar to Vince um, for uh, 25 plus years. And um, I love this business. Um, I too fell into it sort of quite accidentally or sort of by chance or serendipitously. Um, and I think the reason I love it is because it's a people business primarily and, and I just, I love people. I love um, sort of understanding what makes them tick and, and I think, it, you know, at the end of it, you talk about sort of creativity. I think there's something quite special about being involved in a business that can influence culture because if you get it right, that's ultimately what you're doing, which means it's not just making ads and making stuff. There are those sort of occasional briefs where you can you can change the world. I mean, that yeah. sounds like a bit ridiculous, but we are responsible for influencing culture. So there are those kind of opportunities. They're rare and they're few and far between, but they are 
So it's, yeah, it's special. Hmm. And Scott, what about you? That's interesting. That, that, that really is what keeps me interested, just the fact that we can, I mean, everybody in this room who's, who's working uh, can, can do something that gets put out there and get some media weight behind it and get some money behind it and you, you can use other people's money to put, put your own ideas out there in the world. <laughs> For better or for worse. But, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. But, yeah, my name's Scott Noel. I started an agency called The Monkeys with Mark Green and Justin Drape uh, probably 127 years ago, I think it was. <laughs> uh, we worked together at Saatchi's. Justin and I were a creative team. Actually, and Vinny was down the hall with his creative partner, Luke Chess. So, yeah, we've known each other for a long time. Um, but, yeah, I, I got into advertising. I was going to be a builder. My dad was a builder. My, both my brothers are in trades. Um, very practical family. I've got the soft fingers. Yeah, I'm constantly <laughs> ribbed for me. I'm, I'm like the, the professional typist kind of guy. Um, but yeah, I was working for a building company and I realised I probably wasn't for me. And I, asked the, I said to the boss, I, you know, I'm probably going to do something else. And he said, what do you want to do? And I'd done, always enjoyed creative writing. And I said, I don't know, advertising. And he said, do you want to meet a creative director friend of mine? I went, yep. And that's how it started and of course as soon as you see a brief and you're like I can do anything <laughs> you know and from then on it, you know nothing's changed every day you get a blank sheet of paper in front of you and you get to make stuff up for money fun but scary so I think it's quite interesting like you hear a lot that people fall into advertising and like even you three you all have very different backgrounds what do you think about today, like, where there's a lot of pressure for people to get comms degrees? Like, do you think that, that we need to find different avenues to get people from different ways of thinkers, observers, into our industry? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, I think the best creativity or kind of best response to, to briefs is where there's, there's different people working at the problem you know, trying to solve it. And I think if um, it's important to understand communication, but there's lots of ways to learn. So I don't think you need to come, you know, through that specific sort of gateway, so to speak. Um, I think it's really important, no matter what career you're in, to kind of make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that are much smarter than you and to be learning all the time. So that is a great, it's a, I learned more working with smart people going, wow, I want to be like that when I'm big, so to speak, and I still do. Um, I never want to be the person in the room that has all the answers ever, um, and I think that's quite inspiring. So I don't, I don't think you need to come from a, like a comms background, or um, that's absolutely useful, of course. But there are definitely ways to contribute to this industry beyond just a comms degree, I think. And I, I do think we, we as an industry, are getting better, get a, getting better at it, and I feel. When you look around what's happening, there, you know, so much, you know, there is courses out there now where, you know, D and AD have introduced, you know, their, their shift program, which is targeting, you know, people who we normally don't talk to, right? And I think that's really important. Um, as well as, you know, School of, um, I think I'm going to get the name wrong, but the School of Western Sydney, which is, is really important as well. So we, we are opening it up to, you know, people we probably haven't really spoken to before. And I think, you know, there's so many people I spoke to earlier who, who have done a walk school and it's brilliant. A walk school is brilliant. It is such a, it, it is the, the benchmark and what we always look to when, we, when we're when hiring people is have you done a walk school? And 
Um, but there's got to be other avenues, and it, they seem to attract, um, you know, it, and, and I know Walk School are doing things as well within the Indigenous community too, but I think we have to open it up, and, and we're, we're getting, we are getting better at attracting different types of talent that isn't usually through the same pathway. Yeah. CK, I noticed that Coco Gun actually has a special scholarship with UTS for Indigenous people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we just, I mean, I think diversity is creativity really. And, you know, we're talking about sort of how we can attract diverse talent mm. into the industry and what does that look like? And we just thought, well, why don't we do something about it? We may get a whole lot of things wrong, but why don't we just, why don't we just try sort of um, and just open that up? So, yeah, we partnered with, um, with UTS um, for sort of a, a creative scholarship that Indigenous students could apply for um, and just a sort of a very um, kind of quick anecdote around that we um we met the three candidates and we were supposed to sort of select one and but after hearing their stories like Ant and mm. I my business partner we were like we weren't sleeping at night knowing that we had to say no to two so we were just like well yeah we'll, we'll just you get a scholarship you get a scholarship you get a scholarship <laughs> um and you know and that's the beautiful thing about being an independent agency well no no, no not so much you know it's but we didn't have to run it past a CFO in a, you know, yeah. in a different country on a different continent mm. and sort of justify why we thought that that was the right thing to do. So there is, yeah, I love that about being independent. Yeah, that really is the joy of being independent. You, you just do the right thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you don't do that anymore? <laughs> no, we, we're all about uh, the wrong thing now. <laughs> Thank you, Charlotte. But it, it's... We it's don't have to answer to anybody when you're doing what you're doing. What you're doing. <laughs> well, I feel like it's kind of an interesting question for you. Like, what, what's that, the shift in you started the monkeys in 2006 or mm-hmm. the three drunk monkeys? Three drunk monkeys, fact. yeah. Can you talk to us about the name while we're on that topic? Sure, sure. Uh, I think um, we were at an award show one time and there was a lot of drunk people and I think Justin came up with it. Just thought the, the, the industry was full of drunk monkeys and we just went, okay, we're, we're three of them. And, and we thought that it'd just be interesting in a time where there were much more formal agency names to be able to walk into a reception at, at say, a Foxtel and for, for the receptionist to say, oh, the three drunk monkeys are here <laughs> for a meeting with, you know, Lachlan Murdoch or whoever it was. <laughs> it's pretty juvenile, really. And then we realised we, 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 we weren't on uh, government pitch lists and also alcohol pitch lists and... Um, <laughs> And then you grew up. And, yeah, we, we kind of grew up and everyone called us the monkeys anyway. So. Yeah, what was the change? Because I actually did you notice took the three that... out. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that you guys told all the media outlets that you weren't changing your name, but then the week later you said we're changing the name. Oh, maybe that was Was there just, a strategy or...? Oh, it might have just been drunk. one of those particularly poorly handled media <laughs> <laughs> release moments that, that come and go over the years. Yeah. And then going back to sort of the original question before we got on the tangent of the drunk monkeys, the shift from independent to being owned by a holding group, can you talk to us about sort of that decision and, and the change that you felt being the CCO through it? Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting question. It's, um, and you use the words holding group and we, we spoke to holding groups. You know, we, we got to a stage where we felt like we had to do something to further where the agency was going to go and whether that was going to be independently opening up different offices around the world 
or whether it was going to be partnering with somebody. And we spoke to the holding groups and quickly realised we didn't want to be part of that holding group, um, that kind of mentality where they, they want to get all the creative agencies in town so they can, you know, huddle them around a pitch and just win it. And what we were looking at is how, how could the industry progress? How could our people, you know, you guys with, with the brains, get paid more and be valued more by, by clients? And by partnering with, when we spoke to Accenture, they were firstly all about the, the culture. They didn't talk money at all to begin with. All about the culture. How do you grow that culture? How do you continue it? And then it was, okay, doing what they do plus doing what we do. I mean, and this is always going to be challenging to work out, but this could really work. And now we're doing the kinds of work that we could never do as an independent and we could never do in a holding company. And feel like we'd, we're making people more valuable in our industry. I mean, we don't have a, we're very apologetic in this industry. We, we're sort of creative people who go, oh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, maybe we'll lower our rates, you know. We just come out with ideas. But the stuff we come up with can change a business just as effectively as a consultant who's just slid a... And, and they're going in there saying, give me my 40% margin. Give me my rate. I'm worth it. And that's what we should be like. Without a doubt. And, and, we've, we've, and so we, we just want to move, move, the, move the industry in, in a different direction. So I think there's, when, you, when you go from independent, independence is the best thing ever. You can do whatever you want. You, you have to answer to the amount of business partners you have. And your people, I think. Yeah, exactly, and, and the people you've got. And that remains the case. But, you've, you know, there's real power in that. But there's also power in having leverage on a on a grand scale, and there's room for for both on that spectrum. There's room for the tiniest independent creative shops, because good thinking will always be incredibly valuable, and there's room for for implementing that kind of thing at scale. CK, you have, are an MD, so you come from the more account service background. Working at like DDB, M&C, like big shops, did you ever feel like sad about the way that big companies usually go and work with big agencies because there's this level of sort of trust, you know what you're going to get? Did you ever feel, did you ever feel that? What now sort of as a... When you were working in a big shop, big companies usually go for big shops. So I felt sort of sad. I think that's kind of like a reality. I mean, mm. sort of big corporations with um, with big budgets have got shareholders that demand um, results. And I think working with a reputable sort of company that's bigger in number and has got some some sort of mm. legacy and heritage, I think, provides some security. I think that's kind of warranted. I don't. I think that's that's reasonable. Mm. With the rise of independence, like how do you see their growth? Because we are seeing some independents win quite big businesses. So what's the trajectory? Like how how are you seeing that happen in the future? I think it's necessary because mm. I think the industry's got really, um, really stale for, you know, the obvious reason that you, you know, that you've just pointed out. I mean, I'm, I don't think holding companies are, are a good thing because they remove the special nature of individual agencies and make mm. it all the same, which is the complete opposite of kind of what it is that we do. Um, 
so I don't, I don't think that's kind of um, a good thing. And I love to see the rise of independence. Like when you guys started, um, you know, I want to be sort of these guys, you know, in, in, in another 10 years. And um, I just think there's something special about being independent because you've got to have a lot of conviction. And I think that's maybe what's missing in a lot of the bigger network agencies is a real kind of, there's a belief in what you do. And you've had to sacrifice a lot mm. to kind of run your own race. Um, so there's a real kind of, you know, I, I'm here because I believe mm. in, in what I can do and what my, in what my people can do. And there's, there's a lot at risk. Whereas sometimes in the, bigger, in the bigger network agencies, and look, I've worked for MC, Leo Burnett, DDB, um, and they were phenomenal. I went, you know, worked for some amazing people and, and learned a lot. So I'm not sort of, um, you know, I'm not being disrespectful, but I think there's a lot that happens in those agencies that, um, that they can't replicate what, what happens in independence. Let me, mm. let me put it that way. And I think clients are recognising that and they, they want some of it. They want some of that conviction and passion yeah. and, and, yeah, people who kind of have put it all on the line. Mm. They, they know you're going to pick up the phone Sunday night yeah. and they've got to worry about the, the campaign that's going out. Mm. Yeah. Their, their success is our success. Mm. There's no yeah. fat in a network if, oh, if that doesn't work or if you lose that piece of business or it's like, no, this has got to work. We're not going to be in business. So hustle culture is often thrown around when we talk about startups and advertising in general. Like I'm sure most of us have done many a late nights. How, like, is that the secret source to a successful startup um, as, or I don't want to call you yeah. agency startups, as yeah. independent agencies that have just started? Like what do you think about hustle culture? That, I mean, for someone who's starting, who's just started their own business, it, it, it is something we're very, we're very conscious of. Um, there's no doubt that, that we're working harder than we've ever had to work. And, and it's just a reality of, you know, going from a, um, an agency where you have, you're so used to having so much support and people around you and um, you can turn the corner and you have someone there that can help you do something. And now you turn the corner and that person's you, right? You have to do that. <laughs> and it's like, where's that person? Oh, no, that's me. I've got to do it. <laughs> and so there is a reality to it. And I think we're, we're pretty clear on people we bring on as well that, you know, we are, they are part of the journey with us. And it is about being part of an agency from, you know, it's, it's most infant, you know, and helping it grow. I don't necessarily agree with um, the hustle culture. I, I feel, you know, we're, we're at a point now where I, I think it's the wrong way of thinking about it. I think we, you know, I generally find when people, people work, um, they're a lot more passionate and, and happy to work on things they enjoy working on. I know from my experience having, you know, as a, as a young creative, I didn't realise sometimes I was working on things. It's just I just enjoyed doing it. So I'd, I'd happily do things, you know, uh, stay back late because I wanted to make sure that that, that idea, um, whether it's the idea or the craft of that idea, comes to fruition the way I want it to be. Um, but I certainly don't feel like it's something we should be... Um, we should be encouraging, and I think we've, um, in many, many instances, we've turned the corner on that a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Do you have a perspective on that, Scott? Sure. Uh, <laughs> 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 I've never heard the term hustle culture, really, but I, I do know that you've got to. Uh, of course, you've got to hustle. You're starting a business. You got to get. You got to get work in the door. 
Mm. And I can't tell you, you know, we, we were lucky enough to have Foxtel as a founding client, but they were pretty tricky and we we're getting all kinds of rats and mice clients coming in and we were, we were hustling like mad, trying to make everything an opportunity. And, um, you know, Greeny, who's now running Accenture Song Australia and New Zealand, he can't help himself, he's still doing it. But it's that you, you've got to push, you've got to do the, like Vinny's saying, it's your life and it's what you're interested in. And when you're running your own thing, it's all-encompassing. And if I, if I look back and I, I think we actually probably worked a little bit too hard and we were a bit too blinded and, you know, I had my girlfriend at the time tried to break up with me twice on two separate occasions <laughs> saying that her friends thought I was a ghost, I didn't exist, etc. But um, I managed to talk her off the ledge. We've now been married for, I think it's <laughs> about 12 years. But, but um, I, I do look back and think, God, we, we were so blinkered and, and we were probably a little bit uh, naive in expecting others to work as hard as we were and you've got to be a little bit careful of that. But I, I can tell you that, that, that all the effort we put in has come back out for all the people that were involved. And if you... If you're going to talk about hustle culture and that, that's what it can give you. It, you, you can go far pretty quickly. Mm. What was the hardest part about setting up your agency at the very beginning when you were hustling? Uh, oh, pretty much uh, we had one internet connection. <laughs> 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 and who was going to send the email? And it, <laughs> far out. Oh, and we got sued. Because... Um, <laughs> Because Justin and I were doing work for Foxtel and, and then Mark left Saatchi and Saatchi sued us. We, had, we, we each put $10,000 in each to start with and we were down to about fifteen grand. and um, we were pitching on Foxtel and Saatchi, even though they didn't have a case, sued Mark for breach of contract because he wasn't meant to be working on the same clients but they hadn't updated his contract for like 15 years. But... Um, yeah, and, that, and the legal bills was about 12 grand, so we had about three grand left. And we were sitting in this room with all our ideas on the wall and a table on some trestles and one internet connection and we were kind of looking at each other going, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, luckily we, we won that and, um, yeah, paid the, paid the lawyers. Um, but they, and that, that's another thing. The, the big guys will try and knock you off course. That, that's just a standard business practice. At the time you don't realise it but then you hear from a lot of other startups and they've had similar experiences. Mm. So that was pretty hard but um, look back on it and laugh. <laughs> mm. Everything's hard. And as Vinny said, you're, you're it. You're the, you're the person buying the tea and the toilet paper and doing the, the radio ad you forgot to write for the client after you've been shooting the TV all day. Actually, is there anything that surprised you in your sort of infancy of like what you've been doing, especially because you guys have worked at such big shops, <laughs> going to do your own thing? What are the random tasks that we should know if we want to start our own agency? Oh, I, I had a moment when I was like, wow, and I was scrubbing a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, and I was like, I'm so committed to this. I didn't realise how committed I was to this. Um, but we, um, when we started, we um, Aunt's sister-in-law has got this beautiful um, little spot in Paddington and they had like this, um, this beautiful little studio above a garage. Um, and they were like, oh, why don't you guys, you can use this space. And we're like, okay, 
yeah, let's use that. It's better than we work because it'll be ours. It'll have our, you know, our name on it. Not that there's any place to put a sign, but it felt more ours. You know, we painted and, and there was a little sort of toilet shower downstairs. And I don't know whether I just drew the short straw or something, but and it was upstairs and I got stuck cleaning the bathroom. And this toilet just had like, st- I don't know what happened in that toilet, but it was like, <laughs> it was something special, honestly, because not even like bleach could get the stains. And I was like in there with a toothbrush. I was <laughs> like, um, but, you know, like I think there's something about it's the little things that, you know. Yeah, or big things. Or or big things. And I've moved on from moving, you know, from cleaning toilets, I'm I'm pleased to say. But there was kind of like a real moment in that, like, yeah, we need a bathroom. This this place needs to be cleaned and I'm I'm up for doing that. And if I'm up for doing that, then I'll be up for kind of doing anything else. I feel like that's a really symbolic moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a metaphor. Yeah, it really does. (laughs) Vinny, did you have any moments? Oh, well, we... um, we're still working remotely. We're in the process of um, finding a premises. I haven't had to, I haven't experienced um, buying toilet paper or cleaning toilets at the moment. Um, but I, I think that the things that you normally take for granted is, uh, like I mentioned earlier, is I, I'm not the best person when it comes to organising myself. So mm-hmm. making sure that I'm on, on time for things and not realising that I've been triple booked on things and like, shit, well, how am I going to manage this now? So you, you, you suddenly you got three teams meeting popping up at the same time. So it's just, um, yeah, I think for me it's more um, the organising that's um, probably framed me out a little bit, yeah. Toughest thing, yeah. Mm, can't tell. No, no, well, you, hey, look you calm, wouldn't. man. Yeah, you wouldn't. I managed to get on three calls at the same time, which is always good, <laughs> always interesting. Hang on, just got to go on silent for a sec. Yeah, on yeah. surely on mute at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I've made a mistake before, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I can't remember which one touched on something around how influential our industry can be because I think, I don't know, looking around and I've had multiple conversations with many people in this room about this, like sometimes you can go to work and you work on these huge brands and you're doing retail ads, selling people stuff that they truly don't need. There's that part of the industry and I think for many, especially young people where we're growing up thinking about the catastrophe we might have to deal with in the future, we're in a really, really influential moment as, you know, the people who guide brands. What is our responsibility to make sure that we leave the world in a better place? (laughs) (laughs) That's an easy one. Yeah. You take that one, Scott. <laughs> uh, when we first started talking to Accenture, we were actually really happy to see to, that, that their ethos was improving the way the world works and lives. And so much of what we do now has become more about, it's, it's not so much flogging products, it's about making sure that, uh, that your, your client is working in a sustainable way. I mean, we, we also look at packaging, for example. We, we're all throwing out way too much. There's, there's too much consumption, let's be honest. And we're at a point where we've, we've come this far and gone, oh, hold, hold, hold on. And all these you know, massive clients are starting to think, we've got to do things differently. We can influence them, particularly with the, um, you know, going from everything from you know, consulting to the digital transformation to you know, helping companies work more sustainably. 
But the, the, we, we all, as a friend of mine once told me, you, you wake up every morning with a choice. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And if someone's saying, but that's what you have to do for money, you can tell them to piss off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. But, if, <laughs> but if we don't do it, if the people who are the ones that have somewhat of a soul don't want to do it anymore because we feel so disenfranchised, like what are we leaving this industry as? Like how can we, like does the business model need to change in terms of what growth is? I think there are many, um, there's probably two things on that. There are agencies and clients that are doing incredible things. It's not like the world's gone to shit. Like I, I don't, there is a lot that we need to fix. There is a lot that's broken, but there are a lot of people that understand that notion. And it just makes good business sense, never mind any sort of social obligation or whatever. It just makes good business sense for you to get your house in order, for you to change your policies, update your products, all, all those sorts of things. That just makes business sense to make sure that we actually have a future and we can leave our, our children a future that's actually worth living. Um, and, and I think from a, from a very kind of personal and a career sort of ambition, find your people. Like if you're working in a place that is just, you're not feeling it, you're not invested in it, your values don't align, there is somewhere else where it will. And you don't need to feel kind of boxed in. Like you've got your, like, you spend so much time at work. You give so much of your energy and your effort and your time, which is so finite, to what you do at work. You've got to find people that you're invested in, find people that are in, you're inspired by. Mm. Find people that are worth you working a 16-hour day because they exist. There's plenty of them out there. Um, and, you know, agencies that are working on brands doing things that, that do leave the world better off. There's plenty of them. So I don't think anyone, particularly in our industry, because what we do is centre around creativity, which is to think about how we solve problems that, in a really, really different way. We can break things down that are super complex and just solve them because it's that's what we're trained to do. So. Mm. I don't think anyone in this room should, or, or anywhere, should be kind of feel like that, or just feel uninspired, because there are there are people that you can work with and for that will change that for sure. Is no, I think quite super, super great question. I mean, this is the existential question of all capitalist societies, <laughs> and uh, we are going to solve this, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, starting with Vinny. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think we, we should feel down about it. I think we should be excited about it. And, and I, I do think, you know, you know the, it can be solved. And I think that's what excites us about what we do, really. It really does, you know, doing creativity for good is something that we all strive to do. And, of course, there are things that, you know, that aren't or don't always ladder up to that. But I think generally consumers are wiser now. And they are picking brands and choosing brands like they've never chosen before. And... We see that. I'm sure we do. I see it every day, and and I know the brands I work on, they don't just talk about it. They're they're, they're acting on things, and and they see the importance of it. And it and and I say that because it you know people people do talk, but they don't necessarily do things about it. And mm-hmm. you know I walked away from a, a meeting today about you know working on with one of my clients who is opening up a you know they're doing like an. A, an investment fund, an ECG, ESG investment fund, which is incredible, right? And, and you know, being able to invest in the future um, as opposed to what you normally invest in. And, and these things don't happen overnight. There's a lot of planning involved in it. So I think we have a lot to, there's a, a, exciting things happening. Um, 
we have the power to change those things um, and I think the consumer's demanding it now. So brands are reacting. Consumers demand it. Brands often change their packaging and say, like, every brand now is sustainable. Every brand, not every brand, like, you know, the big progressive brands, they're all, they're focused on diversity. But I feel concerned that often they actually use it as a way of making the sell, but they actually don't return on it. Oh, it's very true. I mean, it's un- indisputable, undisputable. Confused, In? but, but indisputable. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, the green, greenwashing, et cetera, I mean, that, that, is, that is a real problem. I, I think we should be dissuading companies from doing that. And we have, I, I mean, as business advisors, that's what we are, we, and we solve business problems with abstract solutions and it doesn't sound that sexy but that's kind of what we do. But um, if you're in that position, you, you get to advise that business on that and it's going to keep going. It's not going to, it can't be us, can't be members of the public. It, unfortunately, it comes down to legislation and there is, a, you know, you can count on one hand the sort of people, the number of people that can influence votes like that and so government needs to change, you know, how people package, how people talk about it. So we can be an influence. And the other thing, I mean, both of, you know, Shaquita and Vinny have said, we, we do have a choice. We can, I mean, Vinny and I worked on a, an NRA campaign where they came to us with, okay, we need to um, sell more building insurance, more ha- house insurance. And we turned it into a thing where they, NRA ended up planting a million trees for koala corridors. And, and so every, you know, we we're going to plant a tree for every phone call that was made. And you can do stuff like that. And look, they... That wasn't, they weren't like, yeah, we're going to keep doing this forever. But they did it. And we could have just done an ad for, you know, we and, and things like that. We, we're working on a thing at the moment with the Institute of Marine Science on this uh, Accenture bot. It's called Reef Cloud. You can look it up. It's a, it's a live AI that's um, collecting data on reefs globally so that we can, all the data... Uh, we're going to need to be able to solve things like that. We're working on a thing for tu- the Tuvalu government. How do they talk about their plight? And so th- there's all these different things that we can apply our kind of thinking to. And, you know, we might come through award school or communication school or whatever it is, but the kinds of thinking that you guys are all capable of has never been more valuable because companies out there, they need to change pretty quickly and your brains are going to be absolutely instrumental in in doing that and so that that gives me hope that's I mean from our end you know at one state on one side you've you you need governments to legislate otherwise companies are going to get away with as much as they can and from our side we need to be pushing as hard as we can to do something that we can walk away from at the end of the day and be proud of I feel like Patagonia just last week obviously is an incredible example of this exactly right Mm. Like every brand wants to do something that gets in the news and I don't think I've ever seen a brand that like is just as shareable as Patagonia and it's always just based on the things they do that the media report on and I, I don't, I can't even tell you a, pa- a Patagonia campaign. But he's not doing that to get in the news. Yeah, I was just going to say it's so authentic. Yeah. Mm. That it is, is just yeah. DNA. Yeah. Well, that is DNA. I think and that is it, right? It is a, the brand, its ethos, its morals were built that way from its most from its inception and it, it 
it lives and breathes it, you know. So it knew exactly where it wanted to be and, and now we're seeing what it can do, you know. Yeah, I feel like it's probably most people's like top three brands, most people, most young people, like everyone wants a brand that has a purpose. I feel like it would just be nice if there was a measurement system that actually showed whether they were returning on that purpose. Impossible. Well, well Patagonia is a great example because they're, they're way ahead of any legislation that's out there anywhere in the world and that's just the head of that company deciding that, I mean, he's pretty old and he's going, I, I want to leave a better planet. Mm-hmm. And if you read his book, it, it, it talks about all the mistakes they made, all the materials they used that didn't break down and all, the, all of those things they learnt. But I think the, the world is coming to that realisation. These are big questions, by the way, Charlotte. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But really, to good questions, though, to be honest. Absolutely. Very good questions. You know, like I think we're sitting with, you know, four people who clearly care about the world but not everyone does. And I think we are in these huge positions of power where, like, we need to be talking about this at every single level, at an at a executive level, at a young level, even to get young people into the industry. Yeah, yeah. Look, in business there's going to be mercenary thinking out there, they're going to make as people are out to make as much money as they possibly can. That's what they're rewarded on. Companies need to change how they operate. We we can be part of that. Step one. Step one: use your voice. Be in there. Do say these are the things you should be doing, and so they hear they hear from you. And you know, as a you you want to be a trusted advisor to your clients, and as their trusted advisor, you, you can say you're going to look a whole lot better if you start acting like this. And it's not about flogging products or anything, but it's how you act. <laughs>